It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. The New York Islanders have won ten in a row. They lead the Pittsburgh Penguins one nothing in the second period. Also in the second, no score. Golden Knights and Toronto Panthers up three one on the Capitals. Flyers lead the Canadians two nothing. The New York Rangers with a one nothing lead in Carolina. Even though the Hurricanes have a twenty four six advantage in shots on goal in the first period, no score between the Kings and the Senators. Several more games coming up later tonight, including the Devils. And the Flames, the Devils have won a couple in a row after a really poor start to get up to 4-5-4 four, and four on the season. The Flames are 9-7-2. and two. And then the Devils here tomorrow to take on your Edmonton Oilers 5-30 face-off show game at 7 here on 6-30. Chad, that'll take you into a big weekend here on our old station. Sunday morning, 9-30. Countdown to kickoff, game at 11, East semifinal, Eskimos at Alouettes. And then Sunday at 5.30, face-off show for the 7 o'clock game between the Oilers and the Ducks. So we'll have uh, three games in about 27 hours for you starting tomorrow night. Going to be fun for sure. The Oilers coming off a loss last night to the St. Louis Blues. Not quite good enough to take down the defending Stanley Cup champions. The Oilers did get a power play goal, but they gave up two power play goals against. Mike Smith didn't have quite the stuff that he usually has in net down 3-2 late. The Oilers got a power play, two shorthanded empty netters for the Blues to seal it. Really a one-goal game, but because of the reasons I mentioned, that that one goal did not go in the Oilers' favor. We continue to talk with the Oilers about the uh, lack of support scoring. Nobody else is doing much except for Drysdale McDavid in terms of consistently producing points. Now, obviously, Neil has a great goal total, very hot in the month of October. We knew he was going to cool off a little bit. Cassian scored last night to end a 13-game drought. The assists, guess who? Drysdale and McDavid on that goal. I think we knew it might be tough for lines three and four. Now, we need more from them, but I, I, I think, you know, the expectations were modest. Line two, though, for the Edmonton Oilers has not been hitting the score sheet five on five. And it's been a really tough goal for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He has one goal in 17 games. He has one goal in 17 games. Last year, he had 28 Career high, 28 for Nugent Hopkins last year. Now, it's not as if he's not getting chances. Nugent Hopkins has 42 shots on net. About two and a half per game, 42 shots on net. Just the one goal, his shooting percentage is 2.4. Just for some context, his career shooting percentage is 11.5. He is at 2.4 for this season. And he was asked about the slump today. I feel good out there. I mean, obviously, points-wise, it's not coming. Had some really good looks. Um, Maybe not so much last night, but before that, um, a few posts and stuff like that. But, I mean, I've been feeling pretty good. Obviously, uh, can get better here and uh, um, 
push through this little slump and uh, and find a way to start getting going. Uh, I'm not scoring. That's that's what a slump is. I mean, that's the that's the big thing. I feel like uh, doing uh, other aspects of my my game well. Um, still creating stuff, but it's uh, I mean, you can create a lot and. Uh, you feel good, but uh, at the end of the day, you still got to find a way to uh, to break through and, and get a couple. So uh, our line's going to be working hard tomorrow and uh, make sure that we uh, make a difference one way or the other. All right, Nugent Hopkins knows the deal. He knows he has to uh, produce more. And look, this this all doesn't fall on him, but because he had such a good year last year, uh, and, and I thought he had a tough game last night. That would have might have been the first time this season where I thought Nugent had a tough night. He has been pretty good in face-offs. He has been pretty good killing penalties. And I don't think that his uh, lower goal total and lower point total is all on him. He still doesn't really have very good five-on-five wingers. James Neal is a really good power play threat. He's a good net front presence. He can score from mid-range to an extent. He's he's not a fast player in a very quick NHL these days, and I think that has hurt him five-on-five. And then the other winger has been a, a variety of players, again, that the Oilers are trying to insert and hope that something works, even if it's just for a short burst. Dave Tippett on Nugent Slump and the second line. You know, he's had some opportunities. Again, like we charted a lot of that stuff, and he's, he's around some opportunities, but not much going in. Not much going in for him, and then not much going in other than Neeler a little bit early, but he's... He's been quiet here, so not, not much from the wingers either. So when you're not scoring and your wingers aren't scoring, nobody's scoring. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. And sometimes you're not even. Sometimes you might not even score, but you got to be dangerous. You got the other team's got to know you're in the game, and that's where that second line needs to have a bigger impact on the game. And like I say, me, you might not get the results you want, but you have to have. The other team has to say, hey, that line was good out there tonight. Or we need a different matchup against that line because they're they're playing in the offensive zone a lot. So we haven't had enough of that. A little bit there from Dave Tippett. So the Oilers are 10-5-2. They started the season 7-1. and one. Their power play was red hot. The goaltending was very good. And, and I would still say the goaltending has been pretty good. Koskinen had a tough goal against Arizona. Nonetheless, he, he battled bad. He kept it to two, wound up losing in overtime. Smith last night, I know Rob and I talked about it after the game, the two goals in the second period, you, you would love it if he stopped one of the two. Uh, the Petrangelo shot, I don't think he saw. Thomas, that's the type of, of save uh, Smith has been making, but he was also left wide open as the Oilers uh, messed up the, the back check. So... You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin it too much on the goaltenders because the Oilers for the season have had, I would say, very good, if not excellent. They, they, it might just be just barely below excellent. The goaltending's been very good. So, 17 games in, I, I think we have our story. I, I think we have our team. I think we know the formula for the Oilers. If something doesn't change drastically, it, it's not too far off from the formula we we talked about in the summer. If the Oilers got really good goaltending above average goaltending it would give them a chance the points in the production are still there from dry and mcdavid yeah they're not perfect they make mistakes bad penalty by leon last night uh, i i think mcdavid is still learning how to be a needs to learn how to be a harder firmer defensive player in his own end but obviously there are they're incredible talents and they do far more good than bad for the Oilers. so you so you have those guys if the Oilers continue to get decent goaltending 
And if they have generally above average special teams, they will hang around. Because I'm, I'm really starting to be at the point where I'm thinking lines three and four and maybe even line two will not score very much. Now, Archibald's going to come back tomorrow and play. We haven't seen too much of him. He's been in and out because of the injuries. Shane's going to come back tomorrow and play. But again, Kara, one goal. Chase on, no goals. Uh, you know, Patrick Russell, depth guy. You're not having much expectations from him, but hasn't scored. Marcus Granlin, I think, has been a disappointment, hasn't scored. So we're covering off a lot of those depth players that you're hoping could get 8, 10, maybe even 12 goals, still at 0 or 1 for most of them, uh, 17 games into the season. So this this appears to be the team we have, and it's going to be up to the goaltending and the stars and the special teams to keep the Oilers alive in the playoff race. And you know what? It's it's a it's a it's a lull right now. They were seven and one. They're three, four and two in their last nine. We knew they weren't going to win seven out of every every eight all season. I'm curious tomorrow if they can come up with a good effort against a New Jersey team that's playing better, because the Oilers have not gone more than two games without a win this season. You know they had the shootout loss and the loss against uh, Minnesota. They had a mini two-game losing streak. Now they have two more without a win, though they did get a point against Arizona. So if they can stop that, you get to 11-5-2, and two, and it's like, okay, you've gone 4-4-2 four, four, and two in your last 10. Not great, but you haven't totally squandered the 10-game segment. But I, I, the, the goaltending's been really good. If it stays up there and the special teams can do more harm than good, then, then I think they can stay around in the race. This is, this is not a Stanley Cup team. This is not a Stanley Cup year for the Oilers. It's a let's stay in the race and maybe get into the playoffs in the last couple of weeks type of year. That That's really how I look at it. I'm relatively optimistic that, that they can do that, and especially if they bounce back tomorrow and beat the Devils. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Steven writing in, he says, Hey, Reed, I know it's early, but a buddy and I were talking about the awards at the end of the year, using the wording for the Hart Trophy, would McDavid and or Drysaddle be favorites for it? The Oilers would almost look like a minor league team without them. That is from Stephen. Stephen, I'll tell you this. If the Oilers make the playoffs, I, I would think one of those two players, I doubt both, I would think one of those two players would be nominated for the Hart Trophy. Because like I was just saying, if the Oilers are able to get in, then you'd think one of those two players is at or near the top of the scoring race and is doing a lot to help the team win. As we've seen in the past, Stephen, it is pretty tough for a team which did not make the playoffs to have a Hart Trophy nominee, uh, let alone a Hart Trophy winner. Uh, Obviously, it has happened, and McDavid's won the Pearson not being in the playoffs, but generally, it doesn't go to a guy on a non-playoff team. All right, tomorrow against the Devils... My goodness. We have tickets to give away. Live trivia on air, 780-496-0063. Taylor Hall and the Devils come to town. Here's your clue for the trivia question. Hemsky left circle. Back to the point. One-timer. Squeeze through Steve Mason. And the Oilers continue to put the pressure on and tie the game. And it may very well be Taylor Hall's first goal as a professional. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, there's your hint. The trivia question live when we get back. Jersey Friday for the Oilers tomorrow. The alternate jerseys are 10% off at Rogers Place. Oilers taking on the Devils. And we want to send a lucky listener and a friend to the game. Well, technically, you wouldn't have to take a friend. You could take someone you dislike or don't even know. There's no way for us to vet that, is there, Kellen? You could take a random stranger <laughs> off the street. Just grab them off right, the street some, you're coming. Someone you don't even know, you could take to the game. I, well, I guess where our assumption is is that you take a friend, but you could just take anybody. You could take a puppet. Well, you'd have to check him through the front gate first. All right, here's the hint. Hemsky left circle. Back to the point. One-timer. Squeeze through Steve Mason. And the Oilers continue to put the pressure on and tie the game. And it may very well be Taylor Hall's first goal as a professional. All right. Tony, how's it going? Yeah. Good. How are you, Reed? Good. What team was Taylor Hall's first goal against? Oh. They said the name of the goalie, Steve Mason. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I'll give geez, you ten, I don't know. I'll give you 10 seconds from now. Uh, let's go with the New Jersey Devils. That is a good guess, Tony, but unfortunately it is not correct. Whoa, this, this is a tough one. Uh, who was next up here, Kellen? Josh? Where's Josh? Josh, who was Taylor Hall's first goal against? Sorry, sorry, Josh. Go ahead. Who was Taylor Hall's first goal against? Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do you, right do you Did you remember the goal, or were you just an uh, educated guess? Uh, I remembered the goal a little bit. Good, good. We had Jack Michaels call. So how are you feeling this season about the club? Uh, they're playing good. Uh, the goaltending has been solid. And we've had a few fumbles with the puck here or there and some bad penalties. But, you know, all in all, I like the record and I like the performance of the team. All right. Now, I know there's a lot of people because it's been pretty tough in oil country. That a lot of people are waiting for the sky to fall. Like, are you thinking, well, this won't last? Because I think they're going to hang around in the race. I don't think they're going to be a powerhouse team. I think they're going to hang around. Where are you at? I've been watching games and listening to them, and in years past, you know, when they'd get a goal scored on them or the game would get tied up, you know, I'd get discouraged. But, you know, lately I've been watching, and I just know that they got a real good chance of coming back every time they get down, or if they got a lead, they can protect it. Well, I do like that, that they're, you know, they've, how, how many times have they trailed by three goals? I guess in Minnesota and late last night wound up uh, losing bad to Florida. But, even last night, I felt like they weren't in a great situation, but I thought they were going to have something left in the third period, and they made it semi-interesting. But it'd be nice if they had a, a, a lead by a goal or two going to the third eventually. Hey, Josh, you got to stay on the line because you got to talk okay. to Kellen so you find out sure. how to get your tickets, okay? All right, thanks. 
All right, that is Josh. So he's going to the game tomorrow, and uh, it's third jersey Friday at Rogers Place, 10% off all the new Oilers uh, alternate jerseys. We're talking about them on, uh, with Jalen and, and Chris. They're actually surprisingly popular. There seem to be a lot of negative reaction when pictures started to leak in the summer, uh, but a lot of people are wearing them. Cal from Spruce Grove, if uh, Jason Spezza is on waivers tomorrow, is it worth a look at him? I don't know if the Oilers would go down that route. Uh, Cal also says the Oilers got outplayed by New Jersey last time. Kind of lucky in that game. Odd call at the end of the game. Uh, I, I will give you that. The uh, continuation rule that the NHL put in a year or two ago where the referee even was uh, blowing the whistle, but then if he was blowing the whistle, but then he decides, well, the puck was in the process of going in anyway, they can allow the goal. That allowed McDavid's goal to stand up, and then they won it after a very entertaining shootout. Uh, this texter says, uh, no name on this one, text to 63630. Can you uh, tell me if Jesse Pugliarvi has all this talent and skill, why aren't NHL teams clamoring to trade for him since he wants out, even if it's a new coach and GM? Sure seems like this, this roster was his best chance to be a line two right winger. I assume there must have been an issue with the other players given the new coach and J- GM. Well, yeah, I mean, teams aren't clamoring to trade for, for Pugliarvi because they saw him do v- very little when he was in the NHL the last couple of seasons. I, I've speculated on that as well. What is, was there some kind of other issue for Pugliarvi with living here, with teammates, with how he was treated, that he just didn't want to come back to the Oilers organization? Because as we discussed in the summer, this seemed like the perfect opportunity for him to kind of start over with a new GM and a new coach, and he still insisted on uh, on wanting out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, we talked about that a lot in the past, but thanks for texting in. All right, well, check your scoreboard when we get back. Thursday night football is underway. Chargers and Raiders are scoreless early. Hear a little bit more from Dave Tippett as well as Archibald and Shan, who are ready to get back in the lineup. And Blake Dermott will preview Eskimos Alouettes Sunday morning. No score between Toronto and Vegas. Capitals and Panthers tied 3-3. Islanders going for their 11th consecutive victory, looking good, leading the Penguins 3-0 after two. Late second period in Philly. Flyers up 2-1 on Montreal. Rangers and Hurricanes tied 1-1. Shots are 32-11 for the Hurricanes. Early second period, no score. Kings and Senators. Later, Vancouver at Chicago. Avalanche take on the Predators. Coyotes up against the Blue Jackets. The Sharks host the Wild. And it's the Flames and the Devils starting in about half an hour. Devils here tomorrow to take on the Edmonton Oilers 5.30 face-off show game at 7 here on 6.30. Chad, Don writes in, he says, Reed, optimistic about the Oilers, however concerned that we basically uh, only have two scores and they're both on the same line. We are not going to win consistently with only two scores, and I already see teams waiting for the other lines to come on the ice. Don, you nailed it. 
Also today, Colby Cave sent to Bakersfield. Tomas Yurko placed on waivers for the purpose of assignment to Bakersfield, so he'll go to the AHL if he clears. Uh, the Oilers didn't uh, officially do it today, so they'll do it tomorrow morning. They'll activate Josh Archibald. Riley Shan will come back into the lineup today. Cassian back up with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins between Neal and Chason. You had that Kara Shan Archibald line together. Patrick Russell uh, with Haas and Granlin. Nygaard, who's uh, coming back from injury soon, and Gagne were the extras. So Gagne goes from the first line to uh, being an extra again. Clefbaum didn't practice maintenance day for him. Joel Pearson will be back in tomorrow. Dave Tippett needed, uh, thought he needed to give him the day off and the game off yesterday and bounce back physically and mentally a little bit. Expect him to play against the Devils. Miko Koskinen was in the home team net. If you see stuff on Twitter or hear us refer to the starters net, that's kind of how we're gauging who the goalie in the next game is going to be. So whoever is in the net, the Oilers defend in the first and third period. That's how we're going by that. And I think after last night's game, it's uh, not a huge leap to think that Koskinen would be back in. All right. Then on Saturday, we got the Eskimos in the morning. And the Oilers in the evening. All right, you can text uh, 63630. Randy, uh, I'll just tell Randy I got your text. I'm not going to read it on air. We have Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, uh, on the line. Blake, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine, Reed. I'm doing good. Uh, it is nice to talk to you. It is uh, that time of year. We roll into the into the uh, into the CFL playoffs. By the way, I, sh- I should mention this: the uh, Coach of the Year nominations: Craig Dickinson from the Riders, Orlando Steinauer from the Tiger Cats. Uh, you mentioned last week you, 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 that it was hard for you not to give it to Steinauer. Uh, I mentioned I loved what Kahari Jones did in Montreal and nothing against Dickinson. There were some good candidates this year. And for MOP, Fajardo from the Riders and Banks from Hamilton. If before the year I would have said Banks will be an MOP nominee, you would have said, yeah, brilliant, Reed. good for you to pick the obvious. If I would have said Cody Fajardo would be an MOP nominee, some people actually might have said, who's Cody Fajardo? <laughs> but, but you you probably would have uh, said, Reed, you might need a bit of a, a break here, buddy. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Uh, with respect to the coaches, I, I, there there was a number of guys that did an outstanding job, and and, uh, and Dickinson was one of them. And, uh, um but I, you know, I, I, I kind of leaned on, and, and Kohari Jones, you know, with the situation that he was in, uh, I think would have been an, an, an excellent choice as well. But uh, Orlando Steinhauer uh, also had some troubles. Uh, their, you know, preseason potential MOP was uh, lost for the season, the quarterback. And, and you know, I, I think they've just done an outstanding job at truly being the best team in the league. And, uh, um, you know, with, with Cody Fajardo, yeah, at the beginning of the season, there would have been a number of guys that would have said, you know, First of all, based on uh, past history, it would have been uh, Riley or, or uh, uh, Bo Levi would have been the obvious choices coming out of the West. But uh, with both of those guys having uh, some struggles, uh, you know, uh, and, and Fajardo stepping in and doing an unbelievable job in Saskatchewan, that's, uh, that's exciting that there's new faces that are up for those kinds of awards. What's, and we're going to talk about the Eskimos and the Alouettes. On, on the Western side... It's, it's really interesting. Calgary and Winnipeg should be a, a very good game. Kalaro's trying to settle in there with the Bombers. The Riders have the bye, and everything you're hearing about Saskatchewan, the quotes from Fajardo, the quotes from the coaching staff, and then just kind of the interpretations or the, or the scuttle you hear, is that the Riders need this bye, 
and that even with the bye, Fajardo might not be 100%, maybe not even be able to play against whoever whoever wins the, the West Semi. So that's a, even though the Riders aren't playing, I think there's still a, a huge story to watch in the coming days because of Fajardo's health and the, you know that back issue. Absolutely, I think I think the West is the first time a flip a coin. Uh, it's been that way for it's the first time it's been that way in a number of years. You've got a Calgary team that started to come on, and and uh, and they're still going to be uh, really uh, uh, challenging. But you've got a Winnipeg team with Matt, uh, with Kolaris stepping in there and, and and sort of taking hold of the reins in the last game that they played, and everything around that quarterback and position because that's the thing. This will be the third starting guy they've gone with this year. Uh, they, they've still got an outstanding team uh, with with Harris in the backfield, and and then you look at Saskatchewan, who ended up in first place, but they, you know, as you said, could be uh, operating with uh, missing their starting MOP candidate quarterback, and if that's the case, that that becomes uh, that becomes a real challenge for Saskatchewan to hold off either one of Winnipeg or Calgary. Blake, you played in five Grey Cups, you won two, uh, obviously numerous playoff games in, in your career. As as a, I mean, football is interesting because it's 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 one and done. It's it's game seven. I mean, I mean, good for Hamilton if if they don't play well in the East final, that could be it for them in a week and a half. Though obviously they're going to be hugely favored. But but you know what I'm getting at. You yeah. face that finality. There's no bounce back from a loss uh, in a playoff game. Like, did you did you have to wrap your head around that as a player? Did you have to? Did you mentally prepare yourself different for a playoff game as a pro? What was it like throughout your career? You know, uh, and, and I remember hearing this early in my career that when you talked about playoffs and big games, you, you always prepare exactly the same way. And, uh, and and I think that's what athletes try to do. They try to prepare every game like it's the last game that they play. But we're human beings. I mean, we understand the importance of the game. We understand that the paychecks stop if we lose. We understand that, that uh, you know, we go home if, if we lose that game. It, it's, it is completely different the way you have to prepare. Or, I mean, you know, you, you prepare the same, but the mental part of it is completely different. The pressure that you're feeling, the angst that you have, you know. Uh, I'll never forget the pressure. That, the, the most pressure I ever felt in a game was the year we were 16-2, and two, and we played Saskatchewan in the Western, in the Western final. And uh, we were expected to blow them out. We beat them by 47 to I forget what it was, 45 to 30-something uh, two weeks before. And we go into that game, and I could hardly talk before the game. I was so nervous because there was so much pressure on us to win. There was no pressure on Saskatchewan to come in and win, and sure enough, they did. They came in and beat us. And uh, we were the best team that, uh, you know, look at statistically the best team probably ever in the CFL, but we were like the... The 17 and, and one Patriots of a number of years ago, they just they couldn't do it in the big game, and we just couldn't do it. And uh, that, so, from a from a from a standpoint of mental pre- uh, preparedness, it is different when you're going into playoffs. All right. So going into Sunday, we have the Eskimos and the Alouettes. We're going to sign on at 9:30 in the morning. The play-by-play with Morley and Dave will start at 11. Of course, you'll be on the broadcast, Blake. I, I, again, for the second year in a row, a, a very poor second half to the season for the Eskimos. Last year, it cost them a playoff spot. This year, they did just enough to get in, and perhaps it's more because the three teams behind them were so poor rather than what the Eskimos were able to accomplish. But nonetheless, they're in. Uh, Harris is back. They're playing a Montreal team like we talked about, and we're going to have John Bowman on the show later on. To, to me, Montreal surprised a lot of people. But, Blake, you seem pretty – like, I have clearly identified I consider Montreal the favorite, and, uh, you know, if I were making picks, I, w- I would pick them to win. You seem pretty optimistic, though, about the Eskimos going into this game. How come? 
Well, there's a couple of things, and, and some of it may not even make sense to people. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, first of all, look statistically how these, these teams are, are – it's a toss-up. Um, they, uh, Edmonton has had more offense. Edmonton has had uh, less points scored on them than, than Montreal has. I think Montreal is uh, like – 474 points for and 485 points against and and Edmonton is like uh, 405 and 400 so so they clearly the, the defense is, is uh, a better defense they're playing against Edmonton's defense uh, has gotten I forget how many sacks it is like 50 something sacks and and um, and Montreal's has only got 27 so and they've given up a, a lot more sacks so I think from from a standpoint there's a lot of things you can compare that say that Edmonton statistically is better than Montreal okay Montreal has has um, um, two more wins than Edmonton they play in a conference where only two teams are making the playoffs so are, are they that much better each team has won a game so it's I think this is going to be a really good game I think this is going to be an exciting game for fans but the thing that I, I, I reason why I believe Edmonton has a, a, an opportunity here is if you look up and down Edmonton's roster and I've been bullish on the Eskimos all year because of their roster and the, the talent level they have which I believe has, has underachieved as, as so many other people have felt the same way but the problem that the Eskimos have is that they've got so many guys that have been there, so many guys that have been all-stars, guys that have missed a lot of the season, like Santos Knox, the, the, some of these free agents that they signed at the beginning of the season. These guys know what it takes to play in the big game, and I believe that those guys can use the muscle memory and recall that and for a big game go out and perform the way they should have performed for most part of the year. And that's probably part of the problem because these guys have had such success and have been all-stars and, and have excelled in this league that they also knew that at certain times in the, in the season that this game didn't mean as much as this, this other one does now. And I think that kind of thing, that kind of mentality, and as I said, you know, the, this game in playoffs, is so much of it is a mental pre preparation. I think the Eskimos have an edge mentally going into this game, going into this game again, because they're, they're the underdog. I mean, they're 8-10, they're and, and, and uh, Montreal's 10-8. and eight. And I think the pressure is on Montreal for them to perform, and I think the Eskimos have a, an excellent opportunity to go in there and do really well. Well, I understand what you're saying. I mean, sure, Harris and Ellingson, they've been in multiple East Finals, Grey Cups. Daniels played for Calgary, who played in big games every year. The linebacking core is, is excellent. There's no doubt about that. The thing that worries me, Blake, and, I'm gonna, and you're going to say, yeah, Reed, I know I've heard you say this every week, but it continues to worry me, is, is when the Eskimos have got behind against another solid team, they, they haven't had that ability to sort of go back and forth. You know, they, they came from behind against BC really early in the season. Uh, BC's a lousy team. They, they did have that amazing comeback against Hamilton to tie. So I, I know, you're, I know you, you, you always say, don't forget about that. But that, what has worried me about the Eskimos this year is they're down three. And I'm thinking, okay, not that bad. Got to respond. And then they're down six. And yeah. then they're down 13. And then all of a sudden they're down 16 and you're almost like, what, what happened? And then you kind of realize it's been a quarter and a half without them winning a lot of plays or winning a, a series. That's what worries me going into Sunday. No, I, I get all of that, Reed. I, I do. Um, but when I, I remember when I first started playing football uh, with the Eskimos, and I, I couldn't believe that we're, the first game that we played in Commonwealth Stadium that I was involved in, there was literally a dozen guys playing cards, sitting at the, at the table playing cards. Um, in the locker room, and we were like going out on the field in five minutes. 
and these guys are just you know goofing around and i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm banging my head against the wall i'm trying to get myself all ready and i'm you know doing all, and i'm watching these guys and and then it's like okay let's go they you know put their gloves on throw their helmets on and then they go through introductions and go out and just play when you get to be a professional there's there's a certain there's a certain switch that you know when it's time to turn it on and and some of those guys i mean that i'm talking about a team that won five in a row those guys knew when to t- turn it on but pros have that deep inside really good pros have that now do the eskimos have enough of those kinds of guys that know how to turn this switch because I, I believe they do and and just from watching practice the last couple of days they they were running around they were they were playing loose there was there was guys enjoying being out there that does not uh, show me a team uh, or a, a group of guys that don't want to be uh, playing in this big game, and and that doesn't show me a group of guys that aren't prepared to go play, and and so that's why I think that I think Edmonton has a good chance. All right. Well, I hope you're right, and I know a lot of people listening do as well. Let's just touch on uh, the 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 West semifinal, Calgary Winnipeg. I guess for Winnipeg, it's going to be their third straight game against uh, Calgary because they ended their season with two games against the Stamps and then a bye. Calgary went into BC and won to clinch this home playoff game. I, I'm picking the Stamps, but I mean, going out on a limb to pick pick the home team. As as, as resilient as, as Winnipeg has been this season, they also weren't as good in the second half of the season. You know I've always liked Caleros, but this is a tough situation for him in the course of three or four weeks to really turn a team around. And, and I mean, speaking about teams that mentally know exactly what they have to do, that is the Stampeders defined over really the last decade in the CFL. I, I, think, the Stamp, I think it's going to be close, but I think the Stamps are kind of... Like Winnipeg hangs around, but the Stamps are probably in control most of the afternoon. Yeah, and and you know what, I'm I'm not I'm not against that pick. I, I think that the the thing that the the one thing that Winnipeg has, and it isn't Claris. I, I think Claris did enough in that game last game to and he and he made one outstanding throw, but he made he did enough to not lose the game. Um, the the one thing that they uh, Winnipeg has, they have they have Harris, Andrew Harris. If Calgary cannot contain the, the best running back and arguably the MOP of the league. Um, if they can't contain him, then, then Calgary's not going to win. And, and keep in mind, this is not the same Calgary team that has been dominating the CFL for the last four or five years. This is a good Calgary team, but is not that team. And, and I don't think Bo Levi Mitchell has torn it up this year. And, of course, we know that he's, you know, with his injury and everything else. So there's, there's reasons for that. They're, they're an excellent coach. Uh, the, the, the coaching in Calgary, the players in Calgary, fantastic. But uh, and and they they have a, a definite edge I think in this game because it's a home game, but I wouldn't count Winnipeg out just because of that who, who they got in the backfield and uh, and I think that that's their opportunity to beat them because I think Winnipeg's offensive line does a heck of a job in opening up holes for Andrew Harris. Blake, love this time of year. We're going to have you on next week, regardless of how it goes with the Eskimos. Always love your perspective on the playoffs, buddy. Enjoy the evening. Okay, we'll be talking about them playing Hamilton next week, so uh, we'll talk next week. Right on. Blake Durbin, very confident, very confident in the Eskimos, at least for this game. He's not picking them. Uh, he's not going too far ahead. Uh, as you heard, I like I got I got to favor the Alouettes just from how the Eskimos played, especially in the second half. The Alouettes, they, they play loose. They go out there and chuck it around. Tell you what, we do this. We don't do this a lot, but since we're leading into a big football weekend, you can text your predictions. We don't have a show tomorrow. We got hockey tomorrow. Text your division semifinal predictions. You can just do the Eskimos game or you can go both both games. Give the winning team and the score to 630-630. And then as, as the rule is on this show, if you're right, you will be uh, celebrated 
on the next edition of Inside Sports, and the wrong predictions just somehow get lost. We just don't know where they went. They, they just get shoved under Bob Layton's desk and never to be seen again. With- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's all his old editorials. Back after the break. Raiders leading the Chargers 10-0 late in the first quarter Thursday night football. The pizza delivery guy texting 630-630. He predicts a 27-16 Eskimos win and a 33-21 Stampeders victory. Pizza delivery guy, I predict that if the Eskimos win the Grey Cup, you're delivering pizza for a Grey Cup pizza party on Inside Sports. Oilers Brad says... Eskimos will beat Montreal. Bombers will beat Calgary. And he adds a go Esks go. Esks fan Glennie says Eskimos win at 26-22. He also requests Misty Mountain Hop. We may have to pull out that record in the next hour of the show, Kellen. And Strathcona Sam has Eskimos 30, Montreal 23. And he also has Winnipeg winning on the road in Calgary 25-19. Fun time of year. Cool. Fun time of year. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We still have some comments from Josh Archibald and Riley Shane coming up. They are expected to return from injury to play for the Oilers tomorrow against the Devils. We'll also talk to Corey Masasak. He covers the Devils for the Athletic. And uh, he'll tell you why the Devils have been playing better over their last six or seven games. He'll also touch on those comments uh, Taylor Hall made where he was complaining about the fans booing the Devils during and after a game. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.